0: Love Talk Radio.
1: politicians from the 13 American colonies come together in this building, right here, to plot what turns out to be a revolution. A contentious Continental Congress needs to set forth some convincing reasons for declaring war. Congress turns to a brilliant 33-year-old aristocrat from Virginia, Thomas Jefferson. In a matter of days, the red-haired wonder writes one of the most celebrated manifestos for human freedom and self-government in the history of Western civilization. The Continental Congress authorizes Philadelphia printer John Dunlap to print 200 broadsides, poster-sized sheets. The document, unsigned, is then rushed to waiting horsemen who put it in their saddlebags and galloped throughout the colonies. See if this Revolutionary War is to be won, Thousands of farmers and tradesmen must be persuaded to take up arms and fight, and they do. Not many people realize it today, but scholars believe Jefferson intended for the Declaration to be performed and not just read. Its words and rhythms were written to be spoken in proud and defiant tones in grand public places. It's a safe bet that the Continental Congress never had in mind a performer like me that is to say, a black man. Thomas Jefferson was not ignorant of the problem of slavery, of course, he called it a moral and political depravity. And in the original draft of the declaration, denounced the slave trade as a cruel war against human nature itself. But Congress thought better of this particular item and deleted it. In fact, there was no mention of slavery or black people or of women, for that matter, in this preeminent statement on the equal rights of man. So it makes you wonder, how could a man who himself held slaves write with such incredible passion and eloquence about human liberation and the promise of a democratic republic? Why, some may ask, do I bring up such embarrassing truths on this glorious occasion? I answer, The real glory of the Declaration of Independence has been our nation's epic struggle throughout history to close the gap between the ideals of this remarkable document and the sometimes painful realities of American life. The Declaration symbolizes the birth of our nation, of course, but also the constant struggle to achieve its ideals. Consider, the words of this document inspired the French Revolution in 1789. Two hundred years later, the revolt of Chinese students in Tiananmen Square. It inspired Abraham Lincoln to issue the Emancipation Proclamation, Martin Luther King Jr. to fight for civil rights, and women's suffragettes to fight for the vote. This business of fulfilling the Declaration of Independence is a difficult struggle, but it is also an ennobling struggle. Jefferson called the declaration an expression of the American mind. It is why this nation is so great and why I am so proud to be an American. Here now are those sentiments as first expressed in this very place.
2: When, in the course of human events, it becomes necessary
0: that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness.
4: That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government.
5: Laying its foundation on such principles,
6: when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object, evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism. It is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government.
7: The history of the present king of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this,
2: let that be submitted to a candid world.
6: He has refused his assent to laws the most wholesome and necessary for the public good.
2: He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained. And when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of
4: people unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and formidable only to tyrants.
5: He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures.
2: He has dissolved representative
3: houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. He has refused for a long time after such dissolutions to cause others to be elected whereby the legislative powers incapable of annihilation have returned to the people at large for their exercise, the state remaining in the meantime exposed to all the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions within.
0: He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states, for that purpose obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither, and raising the conditions of new appropriations of land.
6: He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers.
7: He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices
3: and the amount and payment of their salaries. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance.
6: He has kept among us in times of peace standing armies without the consent of our legislature. He has affected to render the military independent of and superior to the civil power. He has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation. For quartering large
0: bodies of armed troops among us.
4: For protecting them by a mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states.
5: For cutting off our trade with all parts of the world. For imposing taxes on us without our consent. For depriving us in many cases
7: of the benefits of trial by jury. For transporting us beyond seas
3: to be tried for pretended offenses. For abolishing the free system of English laws in a neighboring province. Establishing therein an arbitrary government and enlarging its boundaries so as to render it at once an example and fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule into these colonies.
0: For taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of our government.
4: For suspending our own legislatures and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever.
5: He has abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. He has plundered
2: our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. He is, at this time, transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, desolation, and tyranny, already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy, scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous ages and totally unworthy of the head of a civilized nation.
6: He has constrained our fellow citizens taken captive on the high seas to bear arms against their country, to become the executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands.
8: He has excited domestic insurrections amongst us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions.
3: In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in attentions to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us.
6: We have reminded them of the circumstances of our immigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and
0: magnanimity.
4: And we have conjured them by the ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations which would inevitably
2: interrupt our connections and correspondence.
7: do in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare
3: that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent
5: states.
6: That they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown.
5: And that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved.
6: And that as free and independent states
11: And you just have to enjoy hearing the sounds and the voices of freedom from the United States of America Written 1776 by our founding fathers Welcome everyone to the C. Robert Jones Conservative Report I am your host, Cool Mike I hope you all had a very happy Easter and blessings to each and everyone listening And your families and even those not listening blessings upon all of you Uh, Dr. Jones, yes, he's still on vacation So until then Guess what? You're stuck with me. I think he'll be back Wednesday or Thursday of this week. Uh just a quick programming note for tomorrow. Uh yes, we are going to have a show. We will be joined by Republican for Congress, uh Florida Third District um candidate Craig Miller. He is also the former CEO of Ruth Christ Steakhouse. He'll be joining us tomorrow for the second half of the show. We will be having uh we will have the chat room open and we will be taking your calls as well. He will be taking your calls and questions. Um, and with that being said and done, let us begin. Today's show is in loving memory of Army National Guard Specialist John P. Fedick. His picture can be seen as the first picture here in your show description. He's 30 of Dickinson, North Dakota, assigned to the 957th Engineering Company, five out of Bismarck, North Dakota. He died when a heavy expanded mobility tactical truck he was in was hit by a rocket-propelled grenade. He died just outside of Ramadi in Iraq. So tonight's show is part two. Tonight, in loving memory, is honored. Tonight's show, in loving memory, is honored to honor our troops who have paid the ultimate sacrifice. Tonight, in part one and part two, we pay tribute to the Army and the Marines. Tomorrow, in the first half, we will pay tribute to the Air Force, as well as the Navy, and many, many, many of our Coast Guards. Tonight, you can not only know their names, but you know what? We're going to kind of let you get to know them a little bit better. They have paid the ultimate sacrifice, and today is their hero's welcome home. In many ways, it's a long overdue thanks for these veterans. Tonight, the show will bring you some smiles, and of course, it's going to bring you some tears, and moments you simply don't see on other blog talk radio shows, well, that's because tonight or today on this show, um, as I honor the fallen, I also remember the individual I'm standing in for is a retired marine who of over thirty years, so tonight, as always, the show is not about me; it's about the home team, and on this night, the colors stand proud in the USA. With that being said and done, I first want to um, introduce you to something very, very special overseas that took place um, in Croatia. Many people don't know that uh, you don't necessarily have to be a US citizen to uh, be in our armed services or to die for this country and for these freedoms.
12: In August 2005, Master Sergeant Ivita Yurok died in operations in Iraq. He was part of the nearly 8,000 immigrants who join US military each year. Sergeant Yurok was born in modern day Croatia and joined the US Army in 1988. Nearly four years after he died, in his hometown of Dubliak, Croatia, family, friends, and fellow soldiers gathered to remember him. And to unveil the completion of several U.S. Army Corps of Engineers humanitarian assistance construction projects dedicated to Sergeant Yurak's memory. His brother is grateful for all that has been done in his brother's name. Our family is very happy because Ivica Yurak's name will be there for future generations to know who he was and what he did. The person closest to Sergeant Iraq, his wife, talked after the ceremony about her husband.
6: I just hope nobody forgot
9: about me. Even though long
6: after year, I hope people remember of my husband, what he done for people and what he done for children here, also what he done for military and also to himself.
12: Hey Suk hopes the dedication of the town's elementary school and playgrounds to her husband will hopefully help the young people of this community remember what he meant to both Croatia and the United States. Army Sergeant Nicholas Anderson, Dubliac, Croatia.
11: That's just such a touching story. Um, freedom, the heroes. The Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the United States Marines, and our Coast Guard. What wonderful, unselfish individuals they are! Army Captain Michael D. Yankiewicz, a wonderful hero. Actually, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna jump up front. I'm gonna tell everybody about go back to world shortly after World War II to tell you how our soldiers who were mostly overseas abroad, whether it's in the Philippines the Pacific, Germany, Japan wherever they may have been Guadalcanal, Normandy they came home and they came home with such great pride not a lot of people remember this battle and it wasn't a battle abroad it was a battle right here in the United States it was in Athens, Tennessee by a group of young soldiers young veteran soldiers who came home to fight for freedom
13: on election day August 1st 1946 shooting broke out at the jail in Athens, Tennessee The battle that ensued was a battle for liberty for machine politics, a battle to reinstate the rule of law. For nearly half a century, Tennessee had been controlled by various political machines. Memphis Mayor Ed Crump controlled a statewide political machine. The machine that controlled Athens in McMinn County was run by State Senator Paul Cantrell and the sheriff, Pat Mansfield. In the spring of 1946, Athenian veterans returning from World War II saw the illegal activity and decided to put a stop to it. They entered their own slate of candidates in the upcoming election and promised the people of Athens that the election would be fair. On August 1st, Election Day, the G.I. set up poll watchers at voting precincts all around the city. Just before voting started at 7.30 a.m., one of the poll watchers asked to see that the ballot boxes were empty, as the law stipulates. He was denied. All day, poll watchers around town witnessed illegal voting activity. The deputies even denied a black man the right to vote and shot him as he persisted in arguing his right. Whenever a poll watcher objected or resisted in an attempt to uphold the law, he was injured or arrested. At 4 o'clock p.m., the voting ended and the ballot boxes were taken to the jail. When the poll watchers asked to witness the counting of the ballots as the law stipulates, they were again denied. By 9 o'clock that evening, the G.I.s had armed themselves and taken positions around the jail. A shot was fired around 9.10 p.m., and the shooting didn't end until 3.30 the next morning, when the G.I.s used dynamite to blow off the jail's porch. When the G.I.s entered the jail, it was obvious that the ballot boxes had been tampered with. Only one remained sealed. The votes in that box favored the G.I. ticket 3-1. to A few days later, the G.I. candidate for sheriff, Knox Henry, was sworn in. The Battle of Athens was the defining event that brought around the destruction of machine politics in Tennessee, thus restoring the rule of law. When Sheriff Mansfield resigned, the McMinn County machine was virtually destroyed. The GIs taking a stand against the political machine controlling them gave other reform-minded citizens the idea that they didn't have to submit to the tyranny of machine politics, and inspired them to challenge their local machines. It also demonstrated to up-and-coming politicians, such as Estes Kefauver, that the machine's strategies had become vulnerable. Two years after the Battle of Athens, his U.S. Senate victory, and former Governor Gordon Browning's re-election marked the end of Ed Crump's statewide political machine. Though Crump still remained active in Memphis politics, he never again controlled statewide elections. The G.I. stand at the jail in Athens was a fight for liberty that restored the rule of law in Tennessee politics.
11: Fighting for freedom abroad. Fighting for freedom at home. I wonder if those individuals were called radicals and troublemakers, and all the names called by those called by the the members of the media and many extreme left wingers when people stand up for our freedom. These people weren't intimidated, they weren't intimidated that the uh, other people had guns. (laughs) What a great, great group of heroes. Um, Just prior to playing that piece, I was talking about Army Captain Michael D. Yankowitz. Nothing's better. If you want information about an individual, usually ask their mom.
14: My son Michael D. Yankiewicz was a Ranger. Um, He was stationed in Fort Benning, Georgia um 75th battalion um was killed in Afghanistan on April 9th, 2010, Friday. There was a um a plane crash in Afghanistan and um four there were four casualties. Michael loved it here he He went to preschool young world um and Michael was the type of kid through all his life. He kept all his friends. He still has his uh two original friends from young world. He was always going wanted to be in some form of military he was a he was a cowboy he was a little karate um and he, he would always wear his military uniform um, and it always wanted to go after the bad guy. One of uh, Michael's friends that we haven't seen in a long time, I bumped into his mom, and his mom goes, when Michael was about six years old, he knocked on my window and he goes, don't worry, Mrs. Jones, um, um, I'm going to protect you. I'm, I'm going to go after the bad guys. And we were just talking about that a week before Michael accident, you know, saying that, you know, how most people don't know what they want to be, but Michael knew exactly what he wanted to be. I think he was born to be a soldier. He came out, I think, and he was born to be a soldier. It was just a toss-up between the Army and the Marines. Um, It wasn't going to be the Navy SEALs because he decided he was scared of sharks, so that, wiped that out. Um, He had a love as he... Got a little older for history. He just loved his history. Since he loved history, um, there was a point where, like when he would be about forty, forty, forty-five years old, he was thinking of becoming a history teacher. His second love. So his life was going to be filled with things that he loved. He loved to have debates, and he's very smart, um, articulate. Um, He knew how to stand his ground. I don't believe he would get into a debate if he didn't know how to stand his ground. He loved life. He loved what he was doing. He loved being a soldier. He lived his dream.
11: Wow. Now that, my friends, that is a true hero wow i'm <laughs> I myself am choked up in loving memory of Army captain Michael D. Yankowitz. I believe he was from um the Boston area, the New England area. oh man, wow, he's gonna protect us against the bad guys, never selfish, never ever selfish. And it's really just just unbelievably amazing how wow. Just how these people are so focused on helping other people, on our freedoms. Just rarely ever think of us. I'm a little emotional right now, so sorry about that, but that's what the show is all about. And it's about it's about the troops. It's about bringing them home in the way that they should sadly, they cannot be walking, but we are giving them a grand uh, a grand welcome home Alrighty, next up uh we are going to do a little roll call prior to our uh break, an honor roll, if you will, and uh. What this is is in the uh, in the um, uh, what was it? Just give a listen. What 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 we're going to do is ABC or NBC, one of the networks, reads off or puts the names of our fallen for the day or the week on a television screen, and as we do that, I'm going to read them.
15: A Brown County soldier who was killed. a Brown County soldier.
11: No, nope, that's not it. Let's see. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do since I cannot find it at the the moment, but I know it's there. We're gonna jump into our break, and we'll be right back. And then we are going to. Um, then I'll go. Uh, I will. Uh, I'll read that for you. This is just really amazing of all these wonderful people that we're going to pay tribute to today and the great things that they have done for us all.
10: April 9th, 1865. The American Civil War effectively ends after four years and more than a half million deaths. Confederate General Robert E. Lee surrenders his forces to Union General Ulysses S. Grant at Appomattox Courthouse, Virginia. 2003. Iraqis celebrate the collapse of Saddam Hussein's regime in the capital, Baghdad. They topple a statue of their longtime dictator just weeks after the U.S.-led invasion of Iraq. 1959. NASA announces the first seven astronauts for America's space program, a group dubbed the Mercury 7.
9: 1939.
10: In Washington, African-American singer Marian Anderson performs at the Lincoln Memorial. That happens after the daughters of the American Revolution ban Anderson from singing at their headquarters because of her race. And 2005.
5: That we may grow together in love and peace all the days of our life.
10: Prince Charles, heir to the British throne, marries his longtime love, Camilla Parker Bowles. She takes the title Duchess of Cornwall and not Princess of Wales, the title held by Charles' first wife, the late Princess Diana. Today in History, April 9th, Sandy Cozell, the Associated Press.
16: Tomorrow all the things were gone i work for all my life And I had to start again With just my children and my wife I thank my lucky star To be living here today But the flag still stands for freedom And they can't take that away about From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee, across the plains of Texas, from sea to shining sea, from Detroit down to Houston, and New York to L.A., where there's pride in every American heart.
11: Awesome, awesome, awesome song And uh, as we close today I got something even More awesome For that Uh just uh, going to go perfect As uh, uh, we honor the soldiers And it's all about honoring them um, Sometimes Even the state house Honors our soldiers
17: New at eleven, a special ceremony to honor the families of fallen heroes. Tonight a local parent who lost their brave son or daughter overseas were honored, while those who died in the line of duty were remembered for their actions. Eyewitness news reporter Katherine Sotnick joins us live outside the State House now with more on tonight's event.
15: Well, it was a very emotional ceremony for those who came out here tonight at the State House, and the theme of tonight's event to make sure that the men and the women who sacrifice their lives for our country are never forgotten Richard August of North Kingstown, one of the many local gold star parents honored at the State House Monday. he lost his son, Army captain Matthew August, eight years ago the twenty eight year old killed in a roadside blast in Iraq
12: each time we come to these it Sometimes opens the wound a little bit, but at other times there is a sense of healing. There'll never be closure because
4: you know they're not coming back.
15: And it's a club that no parent wants to be a part of. Gold Star parents are parents of children killed in Iraq and Afghanistan. Lee Ferguson Sr. also lost his son in Iraq in a Humvee accident. Army Master Sergeant Richard Ferguson.
11: I miss him. Nothing else I can say is uh, he's lonely without him.
15: But eight years later, questions still remain.
18: Being with the unit that he was with, the Special Forces, it's hard to say one way or the other what really happened.
14: I'm proud of my brother,
15: but I miss him. And for Richard August, there will be more tense moments ahead. His other son, Mark, who's in the Air Force, is also being deployed again in July.
12: He's a career officer, and we believe that. His, his oath of allegiance to the Constitution is very important to him, and he wants to serve and he wants to serve his country well.
15: And Governor Lincoln Chafee was also here tonight, along with many members of the military, the National Guard, and of course, many veterans. Reporting live tonight from the State House with the Providence Mobile Newsroom, I'm Catherine Sotnick,
0: Eyewitness News.
11: One of the most proudest. Um, But hurtful moments parents, friends, wives, husbands, family members of all kinds can have is the pride. And when they say they died for their country and they died for the, the freedoms, I'm sure that's so hard to say. And as much as we know it's coming from the heart. And as believable as it is, we know their pain runs deep, and our sorrow and our prayers go for go not only to the fallen victim but their families, because sometimes left behind is amazingly just a shattered young wife with young kids, newlyweds with a baby on the way, just angry unbelievable circumstances and situations here at the c robert jones conservative primetime report we honor them all the time most of you know i am very proud of my catholic central cougar high school and here is a high school that also honors its people
17: tonight a tribute to a fallen local soldier sergeant robert barrett was killed one year ago by a suicide bomber in afghanistan Today, Durfee High School dedicated a wing in his honor with his family, the mayor, and school officials proudly looking on. From the southeastern Massachusetts Mobile Newsroom, Eyewitness News reporter Alex Toprado is live in Fall River.
19: Well, Susan, the ROTC wing named for Robert Barrett is right up there on the second floor. In fact, he was the commander of the ROTC here at Durfee High School before leaving for Afghanistan. Applause and tears at the dedication of a wing at Durfee High School for Sergeant Robert Barrett. This is unbelievable. This is fantastic. The classroom wing is home to ROTC students. Barrett was commander of the ROTC during some of his time at Durfee.
17: This is Robert's life. This is... There couldn't be a more fitting tribute to Robert than this.
19: 20-year-old Barrett was killed by a suicide bomber while in Afghanistan in April of last year. Barrett's death haunts his father. The fool that took my son,
3: it maybe took three
19: seconds when he pulled the cord, and him and my
3: son went, in a second, they were gone, and
19: I will never understand why. Barrett's parents say he'd probably be embarrassed at the honor, but they're happy he's being remembered.
17: They probably that we're all a bunch of fools. <laughs> but I'm sure he's proud of the fact that he's being respected and recognized, I'm sure.
19: The main post office here in Fall River behind Government Center will also be renamed in Barrett's honor May 29th. We're live in Fall River tonight with the Southeastern Massachusetts Mobile Newsroom. I'm Alex DiPrato, Eyewitness News. <laughs>
11: Now you know you're in good company when you're getting something from the Postal Service or the Fed's named after you. Um, what we're going to do now is we're going to do a little honor roll. And that's what I wanted to do earlier. I'm sorry. I apologize. I didn't have it queued up. Um, but, no, you know we're going to kick that uh, back. And we're going to go north of the United States. The war on terror is not just here in the States. There are many other countries fighting for these freedoms, many other countries losing soldiers. We are very partisan towards our American troops, indeed. But our friends to the north are also involved in the war on terror. And for the next few minutes, let's listen to the story and honor the Mounties.
4: Now to the holiday observance upon us, Veterans Day. Since the start of our nation's dual wars, we've not been allowed to see much of our nation's returning war dead. Their arrival back home and many of the services tend to be private. That is not the case to our North and Canada. Our two nations, of course, have a rich history as allies, including both world wars. And now a number of Canadians have chosen to mark their war dead in a very special way. NBC's Kevin Tibbles has more.
8: As an ally in the war on terror, Canada has lost 97 soldiers in Afghanistan. A military ceremony welcomes each fallen fighter home. Then the family accompanies the body for a heartbreaking 100-mile drive to the moor. It is along that stretch of highway that a grassroots phenomenon has risen out of a nation's grief.
1: To see thousands of people
2: on bridge after bridge after bridge, I hope that they know that they're
8: not alone. Photographer Pete Fisher noticed something on the bridges uh... and started taking pictures. Ordinary people, some saluting, Some waving flags. Often parents bring their children, here by word of mouth, waiting sometimes for hours.
10: There was one rusty brown truck before a bridge and it was a father and a son and the son was maybe 15 years old, standing, touching shoulders, tall as could be, in the back of that rusty brown pickup, both saluting as my son went by. They saluted for my son.
8: Each time Darlene Cushman enters the Legion Hall, she kisses a photo on the wall. Her son, Daryl, killed by a roadside bomb. You wear these every day? Every day. Along the busy road, now called the Highway of Heroes, have been firefighters from the town of Coburg. It's in the dead of winter. It's cold. It can be some day, sure, and wet and miserable.
2: We don't mind. It's, It's the least we can do.
8: Darlene Cushman remembers every single moment of that awful trip.
10: Those people that stand on that highway hero there there is there is no words. Or there, I wouldn't you wouldn't have enough film and I don't have enough time to thank them from the bottom of my heart for respecting my son.
8: What everyone hopes is that they will never return to the bridges to await another soldier's return. Kevin Tibbles, NBC News, near Coburg, Ontario.
4: We will be thinking of their losses and our own and all those who have served this Veterans Day 2008, and that is our broadcast for this Monday night. Thank you for being with us. I'm Brian Williams. We, of course, hope to see you back here tomorrow evening. Good night.
11: Such a such a neat tribute to our friends in Canada Welcome everyone to the C. Robert Jones Conservative Report I am Cool Mike in for Dr. Jones Tonight we are honoring those who have fallen We are never forgetting them Ever Anyway, moving on with the show uh, Let's honor another soldier Another hero Another wonderful human being an individual who leads by example all the time
8: Goodbye Every to a local day. soldier who paid the ultimate price twenty seven years old
0: twenty seven-year-old army specialist joseph bauer from owensville was killed in afghanistan when his convoy was hit by a roadside bomb
8: news 5s laura borchers is live now with the emotional farewell that's underway right now laura
0: yeah todd just a few
20: moments ago his family actually led a balloon release That was a touching moment, and now dozens from the community and family are inside St. Louis Church here in Owensville, paying their respects to a fallen hero. We're trying to pull together for the Bauer family to support them and show community service. Karen Ellis is grieving for her friends, the Bowers. She says the news hit hard that Army Specialist Joseph Bauer was killed in action. He leaves behind a big family, 12 brothers and sisters, several of them also serving their country. Today's processional was guided to St. Louis Church by an outpouring of support. Specialist Bauer is remembered with American flags, yellow ribbons, close friends and community members, some even too young to have known him. Veterans line the street saluting Specialist Bauer as his body carried in an urn and a service vehicle passed. Those in Owensville say they're hurting and proud. but We stick together no matter what. And today, they're sticking together to support this fallen hero's family. And they know that we're here for him, and that we're praying for him, and they come home safe. And this family also says they feel they're being hit with a one-two punch. It's a very small community here, and they first received news of Cheryl Beckett, a volunteer aide, uh, losing her life, and now this tragedy with with Bauer and they are laying him to rest as we speak. Reporting live here in Owensville, Laura Borchers, News 5.
8: And Laura, because of what you just talked about, the community having been hit so hard, are there going to be any more community memorials?
20: Yeah, Todd, actually, many of the community members inside the church right now will return again tomorrow because they are having another very special service in honor of Cheryl. And they say they also hope to do some sort of project here in the community to make sure these two young heroes are not forgotten.
8: Okay, Laura Borchers reporting live from
18: Claremont County. Laura, thank you.
20: Police.
11: <laughs> another great story. Oh, uh, Just another, another great story. That's just absolutely wonderful. And Booty Bandit, your enthusiasm is appreciated, but remember everybody is entitled to their opinion as long as they're being respectful. And uh, I know Capital Nation Radio, um, not only from BTR, but they have a right to their opinion. So click ignore if you don't want to hear them. You don't want to see what they have to say, but as long as we're being respectful, they are entitled to remain, and they will. Moving on with the show, my friends, as we are glad everybody is here, Master Sergeant John Hayes. We are going to honor him, actually, on uh, conservative uh, primetime. I believe today today or tomorrow we are going to honor him. Uh, I'd like you to get to know him. He's a Marine. So Doc Jones would love this guy.
15: Last Wednesday when a roadside bomb exploded. Gonna Jason Law talked to two of the man's family members about their terrible loss. He's joining us now live.
18: Yeah, and Jen, the family in Middleburg is obviously just devastated with the idea that the fact of one of their own is going to be added to the list of local soldiers who have fallen against uh, the war on terror. Now, it's interesting, the family says that Hayes actually just emailed his wife in the middle of last week to let her know that he was doing okay, he had just gotten off a of duty and to say hello. Well, a short time after getting that email, his wife then got the call that her husband had, in fact, been killed in Afghanistan. Betsy Kamer didn't have a good feeling when her son-in-law, John Hayes, embarked on his fourth tour of duty. This time, she had the feeling she would never see him again.
14: We were lucky enough to get him back the other three times when he was over. The family knew that every time he went, the chances of getting him back were
0: less and less and less.
18: Hayes was coming off patrol Wednesday when his vehicle was struck by an IED. The family says Hayes... And another marine twenty year old Roger Hager were killed instantly. Shannon Hayes learned about her husband 's death later that night she's devastated she's um, i've been trying to talk to her- I've talked to her a couple times since trying to actually get to talk to her for more than five minutes at a time is really really hard to do she she's just she's she's holding out for the kids, but she 's really hurting bad. John and Shannon Hayes were high school sweethearts. They moved to North Carolina shortly after John enlisted in the Marine Corps. The couple had three children and frequently came back to visit their hometown. They made a stop in Middleburg earlier this year, right before John was to leave for Afghanistan. He was just here, just here in in Easter. So, I mean, it just kind of, I mean, it gives me the chills now talking about it. There's nothing you can do, actually. I mean, just pray and thoughts and prayers with my sister and my whole family, supporting her any way they can. So, I mean... It's horrible.
6: He's loving and good, and he's everything a mother wants her daughter to have. And I just can't believe he's not going to be here anymore.
18: Hayes also did a stint in Kuwait in 1991 and two tours in Iraq in 2003 and in 2007. Now, his family will plan to have a memorial service for him in Middleburg, but Hayes will actually be laid to rest at Arlington National Cemetery. They say that was one of his wishes. We're live. Jason Law for Channel 4, the local station.
15: It has proven to be a particularly deadly month in Afghanistan. Four U.S. soldiers were killed by roadside bombs in southern Afghanistan on Saturday. Seven others died last Monday during two separate bombings. Fifteen British soldiers have died so far this month. You know, more British soldiers have died fighting in Afghanistan than in fighting in Iraq family of a bellevue kentucky soldier killed in afghanistan is on its way to dover air force base to bring him home twenty nine-year-old private first class russell madden's father says his son was a hero reporter janelle
17: walton's live at bellevue high school stadium with more on the loss of this local hero janelle Sonia russell madden graduated from bellevue high school in 2000 he ran track he also played on the football team, where they tell us he was a star standout player, and he see you remember today with the flag being flown and half staff here at the stadium as well as around the high school campus. Russell Madden's father says his son wanted to be on the front lines and help his fellow soldiers fight the war in Afghanistan. He says his son was killed after his convoy was attacked by a rocket. Russ, as many of his family and friends called him, was on his first tour of duty. His father, Martin Madden, says his son was assigned as the lead gunner for convoy escort. Mr. Madden says his son had sent him this airborne flag for Father's Day. He says he told his wife that he would only fly it on special occasions. He didn't think he would need to fly it less than a week after Father's Day.
20: He was uh, committed to his friends, and I had told him uh, that, you know, even out there that that the Army wasn't sending him over there to die and to follow his training. And uh, I told him that if you know, if someone did something stupid, don't run out there and, and try and make it right by yourself because two men down is not a good strategy for success. And he told me, he said, Pop, I'll, I'm never going to leave one of my buddies. So uh, we're, we're proud of him.
17: Russ Madden leaves behind his wife, two sons, a 12-year-old and a five-year-old, his mother, father, and two siblings. His family says he joined the Army to help offer his family stability. Once one of his sons had been in and out of the hospital so much, so the medical benefits the army offered was an attractive incentive for him to enlist and for the people here in Bellevue, Kentucky, this is an especially sad day because they actually lost another soldier in combat back in 2004 and his name was Justin Scott. Tanya. Janelle Wong.
11: Heroes. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful heroes. Just can't thank these individuals enough. Now what we're going to do here is we're going to read an honor roll. We're going to play a little bit of the news. I am going to read the names. Then we're going to go into our closing song and listen to the closing song. It's really going to be awesome. Thank you very much, everyone. You know, we, we cannot thank these heroes enough. In Loving Memory is going to be a show to which I am going to not only spend an awful lot of time on one individual, but I'm going to see if we can get his family and his friends to join and to call in and be our guests. We spend a lot of time talking politics. We love to have this guest on and that guest on. There's no greater guest than those who can tell us directly about the loved ones and those who have fallen. On behalf of C. Robert Jones, Please join us uh, tonight for conservative primetime at 11.30 p.m. This is Cool Mike. Ladies and gentlemen, and now the honor the roll. Honor
8: roll of American service personnel
4: killed in the Iraq and Afghanistan conflicts. Yesterday, the Pentagon released the names of the 30 troops, Navy SEALs, soldiers, and airmen, killed in the helicopter down by insurgents in eastern Afghanistan last weekend. Here in silence are the names and photographs of all 30 men.
11: Sergeant Alexander Bennett, U.S. Army, age 24, from Tacoma, Washington. Derek Benson, a Navy SEAL, age 28, from Angwin, California. Brian Bill, Navy SEAL, age 31, Stamford, Connecticut. Tech Sergeant John W. Brown from the Air Force, age 33, from Tallahassee, Florida. Christopher G. Campbell, U.S. Navy SEAL, age 36, from Jacksonville, North Carolina. Chief Warrant Officer David Carter, age 47, Centennial, Colorado. Jared Day, Navy SEAL, age 28, from Taylorsville, Utah. John DeWangarda, Navy SEAL, age 26. South Sioux City, Nebraska, Spencer Duncan, U.S. Army, age 21, Otho, Kansas, John W. Faze, U.S. Navy SEAL, age 31, from Minneapolis, Minnesota, Patrick D. Hamburger, Sergeant, U.S. Army, age 30, from Lincoln, Nebraska, Staff Sergeant Andrew Harville, U.S. Air Force, age 26, from Long Beach, California. Kevin Houston, a Navy SEAL, age 35, West Hyannisport, Massachusetts. Lieutenant Commander Jonas Kelsall, U.S. Navy, age 32, from Shreveport, Louisiana. Louis J. Langless, U.S. Navy SEAL, age 44, from Santa Barbara, California. Matthew D. Mason, U.S. Navy SEAL, age 37, from Kansas City, Missouri. Stephen M. Mills, Navy SEAL, 35 years old. From Fort Worth, Texas. Chief Warrant Officer Brian J. Nichols, U.S. Army, age 31, from Hayes, Kansas. Nicholas H. Null, Navy SEAL, from Washington, West Virginia, age 30. Jesse D. Pittman, Navy SEAL 27, from Ukiah, California. Thomas Radzalev, U.S. Navy SEAL, age 34, from Green Forest, Arkansas. Robert J. Reeves, Navy SEAL 32, from Shreveport, Louisiana. Keith M. Robinson, Navy SEAL, age 34, from Detroit, Michigan. Nicholas P. Spyhard, Minneapolis, St. Paul, he was a Navy SEAL, age 24. Michael J. Stringer, also a Navy SEAL, age 25, from Philadelphia. John Temesol, a Navy SEAL, from Rockford, Iowa, age 35. Aaron C. Vaught, U.S. Navy SEAL, age 30, from Stewart, Florida. Craig M. Vickers, he was a Navy SEAL, age 36, from Kokomo, Hawaii. Jason Workman, a Navy SEAL, 32, from Blanding, Utah. Sergeant Daniel Zerby, U.S. Air Force, age 28, from York, Pennsylvania, God bless those who have fallen, God bless the USA, and God bless America.